This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Robinson Crusoe, written anew for children, by James Baldwin. Chapters 12 through 15. Chapter 12. I have a strange visitor. The next morning, when the tide was at its lowest, I swam out to the ship again. There were still many things on board of it that might be useful to me in my island home. I wished to save all that I could. I climbed up the ship's side just as I had done the day before. Before looking for anything, I made another raft, just like the first one, but smaller. It was not so easy to make, for I had used up all the best planks. It was neither so large nor so strong as the first raft. In the carpenter's shop I found three bags of nails and a grindstone. I found also a box full of little hatchets and a small barrel of musket balls. In the captain's room I found six or seven guns, which I had overlooked before, and another keg of powder. All these things I loaded with much care upon my raft. Then I gathered up as many clothes as I could find, also a spare sail, a hammock, and some bedding. The raft was now quite full. The things were not heavy, but they made a large pile. When the tide turned for the shore, I cut loose and was soon floating homeward. I had found a good oar in the ship. This I used as a paddle, and I had no trouble in guiding the raft to the right landing place. I looked to see if the goods were safe which I brought over the day before. There, on one of my chests, I saw a strange animal sitting. She looked like a wild cat. As I went toward her, she jumped down and ran a little way. Then she stood still. I followed. She stood very firm and looked in my face. She looked as though she had a mind to get acquainted. I pointed my gun at her and shouted, but she did not care for that. I had a bit of biscuit in my pocket. This I now tossed toward her. Take this and be gone, I shouted. Biscuits were not so many that I could well spare any, but I spared the poor animal this little bit. It rolled quite close to her nose. She smelled of it and ate it. Then she looked up for more. Thank you. I have no more to give you, I said. Whether she understood me, I do not know. But with that she turned and marched away. I now set to work to get my second cargo on shore. It was no easy task, and I had to make many trips to and from the raft. When everything was safely landed, I made me a little tent with a sail and some poles that I cut. Then I put everything into the tent that needed to be kept dry. The empty boxes I piled outside. They made a kind of wall around the tent, like the wall of a fort. This will keep the wild beasts out, I said. By this time the day was nearly done. I spread one of the beds on the ground. I laid two loaded pistols near its head, 
and one of the guns by one side of it. Then I crept in, and was soon fast asleep. CHAPTER Twelve. I FIND A GREAT STORE OF THINGS. The next day I went to the ship again. This I kept up for more than a week. Every day I brought a load of things to the shore. At last there was nothing left that one pair of hands could lift. But I do believe that if the fine days had held out, I would have brought away the whole ship. You ask how I would have done that? I would have cut it into pieces and brought one piece at a time. The last thing that I found was a secret drawer in the cabin. In that drawer was some money. A part of this money was in gold pieces, pieces of eight, as we called them. The rest was in silver. I smiled to myself when I saw this money. Oh, useless stuff, I cried. What are you good for now? You are not worth picking up. This little old knife is worth much more. I have no manner of use for you. Lie there where you are, and go to the bottom. I was about to leave the cabin when I looked around again. The bright pieces were so pretty that I could not bear to leave them. So I put them in a strong bag, and tied it around my waist like a belt. It will not do to throw good money away, I said. When I went up on deck, the wind was blowing hard. Dark clouds were beginning to cover the sky. The waves were rolling high. A storm was coming. I saw that it was time for me to hurry back to the shore. I let myself down into the water and began to swim. The sea was rough. The money was heavy. It was all I could do to reach the land. I hastened home to my little tent. The storm had already begun. CHAPTER Fourteen. I BUILD ME A CASTLE I lay down on my bed with my money and other precious things close at hand. All night long the wind blew, and the rain poured. Early in the morning I arose and looked out toward the sea. The waves were rolling very high. The ship was gone. The sea had swallowed it up. As I could make no more visits to the ship, I now began to think of other things. I was still afraid, lest there were savage beasts on the island. Savage men, too, might come that way. If any one of these should find me, how could I protect myself from them? I must have a stronger house to live in. I must build me a little fort or castle. The place I was in was flat and wet. My tent was on open ground and could be plainly seen from a distance. There was no fresh water near it. I must find a better place than this for my castle. A little way from the shore there was a rocky hill. I went to look at it. Halfway up the hill there was a large level place with a great rock rising behind it like the side of a house. I climbed up to the level place. There was but one way to go, and that was by a steep and winding path. 
I found the place much larger than I thought. It was more than a hundred yards long, and almost half as broad. It was, indeed, a green field, or plain, with steep cliff rising up behind it. You must think of it as a great shelf halfway up the side of the hill. Here, I said to myself, is the place for my castle. It was no easy thing to carry all my goods up the steep path to this level plain. I worked hard for many days, but then there was nothing else to do, and I must needs keep busy. At one place on the side of the great rock there was a break or opening like the door to a cave, but there was no cave there. Just in front of this break I began to build my castle. First I drew a half-circle upon the ground, with the opening at the center. The place which it enclosed was about thirty feet across. In this half-circle I set up two rows of strong stakes, driving them deep into the ground. The rows were not more than six inches apart. The stakes were about two inches apart, and as high as my head. Then, between and around these stakes, I laid the great ropes that I had brought from the ship. Among these I twined the slender branches of trees and long grapevines that I found in the woods. When all was finished, I had a wall nearly six feet high. It was so strong that nothing could break through it. I made no door in the wall. The only way in which to get into the yard behind it was by going over the top. This was done by climbing a short ladder, which I could lift up after me, and then let down again. How safe I felt now, as I stood inside of my castle wall. Over this wall I next carried all my riches, food, my tools, my boxes of clothing. Then, right against the great rock, I made me a large tent to shelter me from the rain. Into this tent I brought everything that would be spoiled by getting wet. In the middle of it I swung my hammock that I had brought from the ship, for you must remember that I was a sailor, and I could sleep better in a hammock than on a bed. The hollow place in the rock was just as I hoped. It was, indeed, a large cleft, or crack, filled only with earth and small stones. With such tools as I had, I began to dig the earth and stones away. I carried them out through my tent, and piled them up along the inside of my wall. In a few days I had made quite a cave, which would serve very well as a cellar to my castle. I called the cave my kitchen, but when I began my cooking I found it best to do most of that work outside. In bad weather, however, the kitchen was an excellent place to live in. CHAPTER Fifteen, I GO A-HUNTING Weeks and weeks passed before my castle was finished. I did not work at it all the time. Almost every day I went out with my gun to see what I could find. The very first day I saw a flock of goats. How glad I was! But they were very shy and very swift. As soon as they saw me they ran away in a great fright. After that I saw them nearly every day, 
but it was hard to get near them. One morning I saw an old goat feeding in the valley with a kid by her side. I crept along among the rocks in such a way that she did not see me. When I was close enough I raised my gun and fired. The mother goat fell, being killed at once by the shot. It was a cruel deed, and I felt indeed sorry for the poor beast. But how else should I find food for myself in that lonely place? The kid did not run away. It stood quite still by its mother's side. When I picked up the old goat and carried her to my castle, the little one followed me. I lifted it over the wall. I thought I would tame it and keep it as a pet. But it would not eat. I could do no better than kill it and use it for my own food. The flesh of these two goats lasted me a long time, for I did not eat much meat, and I still had many of the biscuits that I had saved from the ship. About a month later I shot at a young goat and lamed it. I caught it and carried it home, dressed its wounded leg, and fed it. Its leg was soon as well and as strong as ever. The little animal became quite tame and followed me everywhere I went. I thought how fine it would be if I could have a whole flock of such creatures. Then I would be sure of food when my powder and shot were gone. End of chapters 12 through 15 Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California for LibriVox in spring 2006.